is, it's me, it's TRG, the Ramblin' Gambler, and this is my Casino Combat Podcast. Anyone remember how we spell combat on this podcast? That's right, with a K. Let's do the important part, and then we can get things started. Ladies and gentlemen, non-binary persons, children of all ages and persuasions who are of legal age, this podcast discusses gambling and casinos. Gambling is a morally questionable life choice. Do not gamble with money you cannot afford to lose. Do not gamble with money you need to pay your bills. My past performances are not indicative of anyone's future results, including my own. If you have a gambling problem, contact your local problem gambling hotline. If you do not know the phone number for your local problem gambling hotline, send an email to help at casinocombat.com. We will find that phone number. We will make sure you have that phone number. Everything I'm going to share with you in this podcast is based in fact. Names and dates have been altered to protect the innocent and the guilty. Minor items unrelated to outcomes may be omitted in the interest of brevity and clarity. Big breath, big breath. (sighs) I am the Ramblin' Gambler, and this is Episode 5, the 4th of July edition. Today we have a new segment called Questions My Sons Ask. We are going to do a Casino Combat Core Concept segment and discuss players, cards, and rewards programs. We will have a moment of casino wisdom. The Ramblin' segment features a new casino and a long holiday weekend. Finally, we finish up in the VIP lounge. Everybody on board? All right. Let's start with questions my sons ask. What? What? I have three sons, and they hear a fair amount about gambling, and logically, they have questions. I'm looking forward to getting questions from all of you via questions at casinocombat.com, but until then, I'm going to use some of my son's questions for this segment. And honestly, I'm going to probably lazily keep the segment name the same when your questions hopefully run in here. One of the questions that my sons have asked is, why don't you tell people exact dollar amounts in your podcast? And it's a fair question. And my first answer is, because all of you are not Gabriel, the walking Wikipedia, Mike the Trucker, or Mrs. TRG. And I'm not saying that I don't trust you, and I'm not saying that I wouldn't share specifics in a private conversation, but to just blast details out there into the universe doesn't feel right just yet. At least not when we're talking about modern things. I mean, when we're talking about something that happened 30 years ago, and it illustrates the point, sure. But I have other reasons. And part of that is I want us to focus on the concepts, not the amounts. That's really not what's important here, folks. If I say a dollar times 30 times 3, and you can afford a 1,000 times 30 times 3, you can bet $1,000 hands as long as it's the money you can afford to lose. The numbers really, really, really don't matter. So I want to focus on the concepts. Everyone's bank is different. Everyone's earnings are different. Everyone's casino environments are different. Let's take that last one first, and then I'll circle back to the rest. Pre-COVID, on the strip, in Las Vegas, a table with decent rules at the front of the house is going to be about a $25 minimum. And in high-limit blackjack tables, it's going to be a $100 minimum, and some of them are going to be two or three, the the really nice high-end places. Go downtown in Las Vegas, and you're going to find a $10 table on the main floor and $25 tables in high-limit. Go from one of the properties on the strip to a property in Kansas City owned by the same company and the floor limits are $10 and high limit is $25 and high limit is almost always empty and if you walk into high limit and you play $25 hands for any period of time you're a high roller and you're a big deal. You're going to have to sort out 
your casino options using the information I've given you here. You're going to have to see what you can do and what their limits are. Or if you really struggle with that, send me a question <laughs> and I'll help you sort it out. Look, that's why I often work in $1 or $10 units, folks, for the purpose of examples. I'm, I'm trying to teach. I'm not trying to tell you. As for the rest, as I often say, everyone knows their bank. I don't. And everyone knows their earnings. If I tell you I want a day's pay or a week's pay or a month's pay or three weeks pay, you know how winning that much money would impact your life. I assume you understand how it impacts mine. If I tell you an amount, you might say, wow, that's a year's pay for me, or that's all? That, that's it? I earn that in like a day. So I feel the amount is a distraction. Over time, if I get feedback from you that changes my mind, I'll, I'll be happy to make changes going forward. But that's kind of where I'm at, kind of why I'm doing it the way I'm doing it. Finally, I am trying to be as honest and as transparent as possible. I want you to have a true picture of what I do. I want you to have a true picture of the risks in what I do. And I want you to have a true picture of the re rewards in what I do. But to fully do that and give you specific amounts to feel honest with myself, I would need to record exactly how many miles I drive and exactly how much the gallons of gas cost and calculate how much that amount of fuel cost. I need to record every toll on every turnpike. I, I need to record, oh, I, I bought Mrs. TRG an extra cup of coffee, and which pocket did that come out of? And, and I'd feel dishonest if I didn't. And at this point, I don't think it impacts what I'm trying to teach, and I don't think it impacts your ability to learn. So at the end of each trip, and my intent is at the end of each month, I count up what I have in, in the casino bankroll, and I equate that back to the gain or that gain or loss to a day, a week, a month, or a combination thereof, and I share that with you. And, and I'm hoping that's honest enough and direct enough and it gives you a sense of what we've accomplished without needing to know that on this day, after driving this far and having this much expense in gas, I made $236.48. Uh, I just feel like going, eh, about a day's pay. Yeah, in the ballpark. A little less, a little more, you know, it, it's close. Unless you're a major celebrity with generational money, I, I think this works. I, I think you can apply this. If you are listening and you are a celebrity and you do have generational money and you've listened this far in, I'd like to be your personal gambling coach. Hit me up. We'll work out something. It, it'll be worth your while. If you are ready, our next segment is Casino Combat Core Concepts. Mrs. TRG says that repetition is an important aspect of education and teaching, and she certainly is more qualified to know that than I am. So here's the core concepts again. Learn a game with a minimum house advantage. Learn a betting strategy that includes both progressive and regressive concepts. Have a bankroll of money you can afford to lose that is large enough for the bet you're going to make. Get a player's card from the casino. Have the discipline to win a set small amount of money and leave or if you lose, lose a small amount and leave. And in the end, try to win the month, not the day, and trust that in the end, you will make it up in comps and gifts from the casino. Last episode, 
we talk about how to properly size and manage a casino bankroll. Today we are going to discuss getting a player's card. More importantly, we are going to discuss why having a player's card is important and a bit about how they work. Getting a player's card has got to be the easiest core concept to handle. You walk up to a counter at the player's club desk. There are usually signs everywhere. You can ask any employee. You hand them your ID and a few minutes later they hand you a player's card. Maybe they ask you to key in a PIN number. Okay, pro tip, they're going to ask you for a PIN number. Use the same PIN number for every casino. This is not your bank ATM card, folks. I mean, I don't know what you're going to lose if you lose your card and somebody guesses that your code is 1111. I mean, a free buffet. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, that, that's the other part of it. If you're signing up for a new club, one you haven't been in before, they're probably going to give you some free play or some free bets. The only variation on this whole thing is this. If you're getting a new card and you're getting it in a new casino, particularly if that casino is part of a, a national chain, and you have third or fourth tier status in another reward system, show the people at the desk that card when you get your new card from them for their casino. Many, many, many casinos, if you are a new member, will match your level in their system to the level you were in another national system. And the reason for that is simple. They are trying to steal you as a customer. If they give you the same amenities in their club, that their casino, that they give everybody at that level, you're less likely to say, oh, I'm going to go back to my other casino, to my other reward club, because there I get in the VIP lounge. There I get to go in the short line for the restaurant. There I get better room comps. They want to treat you exactly like you would earn the level in their property while you show them that you're going to keep deserving that level in the property. If you don't, in a month or three months or the end of the year, whatever their policy is, you will drop back down to whatever level it is that you earned. I run into people all the time that won't use a player's card. Some claim that the casino uses it to hurt them. Um, or that it doesn't matter since they never get anything good anyway. And honestly, while I would never confront somebody over this, it's none of my business. I usually assume they're trying to hide their gambling from a partner or a spouse and they don't want casino information to show up in the mailbox. May I respectfully suggest that if that is what you are doing, you have an issue. Remember the end of the core concept statement. If you lose the month, you make it up with comps and gifts from the casino. And to do that, the casino needs to track your action. The player card is how they do that. When you join a, a table to gamble, you give your card and your money to the dealer. If you forget, don't worry. Every single person will ask you, do you have a card you want to use? Do you have a card you want to use? Did you have a card you wanted to use, sir? Anyway, the dealer gives the card to the floor person and they record your number and action in the computer and based off that action the casino decides what goodies to give you. So what exactly is action? At a table game it is the average bet per hand and amount of time played. Not how much you bought in for, not how much you won or lost. Let's take a really really silly a, a ridiculous example okay but it makes the point. Suppose you join a table with $250 and you bet $25 a hand and push, and $25 a hand and push, and again and again and again and again and again and again, you push continuously for five hours. You don't win, you don't lose anything. The house doesn't win or lose anything. 
you will get points for $25 a hand for five hours. You will get free bets, meals, and other comps appropriate to that amount of action. Likewise, if you lose, you don't get sympathy points, and if you win, they don't take points away. Also notice that it doesn't matter how much you buy in for. Multiple times a year, I see young people, usually men, sometimes women, buy into a table for $1,000. And then they make $15 bets, and they never really risk more than $100. And if they lose $100, they leave. And whatever happens, when they leave the table, they say, hey, you, you've got me in for 1000 right? And the answer is, oh, yes, we have you in for 1000 sure. But they think it's what they bought in for, not their action. They could have bought in for $100 and got the same action. Okay, and, and maybe the guys like feeling like they're big time, having all that money piled up there in front of them. But if it's about impressing the house and not the, the girls or the guys, then they're, they're just kind of wasting their time. There really isn't much more to this core concept. But I will share a couple of insider tricks with you. First, you can always ask the floor how they're rating your play. They'll tell you, and if you think it's low, you can just ask nicely to have them move it to something you think is more accurate. Once in a while, once in a great while, a floor will object when you ask for an adjustment. But usually, the conversation goes like this. The player, excuse me, but how do you have me rated? Well, TRG, I have you at $35. You know, I've been between $25 and $75 a good bit here. I would think you know, something 45 to 65 would be a lot closer to what I've done. Sometimes they'll double check with the dealer and the dealer will go, yeah, that's right. Usually they just agree to a number somewhere in your range. Frankly, usually their number is very generous. The other thing you can do, especially if you're a regular and know the floor, is ask quietly for a favor. And you got to be smart about this. If the reward system just kicked over in January and it's January 12th, you don't you have no business asking for favors. There's there's a year before before any of this matters. But you get to December and you're a little bit short of the next level. There you go. See? Now we've got a reason to ask. So Gabriel Gabriel and I will Get in a little conversation with the floor, particularly to somebody we know. And one of us will say, you know, I'm running a few points short, looking at the end of the year here. I don't want you to get in any trouble, but anything you can do to help, you know, I'd, I'd really appreciate it. Usually they'll bump your numbers a little. Sometimes they'll bump your numbers a bunch. Here's the thing. Points don't cost the floor people anything. And I've never seen any indication that anybody audits them to see how well they're doing their job either way. And it doesn't really cost the house anything either. At least nothing they seem to care about. I mean, why does Caesars care if, if they have 3 million or 3 million and 2 diamond members? It, 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 it's, it's, it's irrelevant. So floors, the bottom line, floors are, are, are really often willing to, to help you out. So one Friday afternoon at my local casino, I'm with the usual crew. It's me. It's Gabriel. It's the walking Wikipedia. We don't know the floor. He's a he's a new kid, and I don't mean kid disrespectively. And we're in the VIP lounge, and and we're the only ones in the in the VIP lounge total, and we're absolutely the only players at the table because it's like two o'clock on a Friday, and the floor guy is much more interested in chatting up the roulette dealer than he is about worrying about three guys who aren't causing any problems. 
So we buy in at a $25 table and each of us makes a $25 bet. And as he's putting us to the computer, he goes, guys, you guys, it's going to be crazy up here today. Um, I mean, if it's all right with you, I'm just going to put you in at a $125 average bet. And then I'm just not going to worry about you from there on. So, of course, we, we're like, well, sure. Oh, yes, sir. No, that, that sounds more than fair. Look, folks, none of us ever bet more than $100. Most of the bets were between $25 and $75. We would have been needed to bet. We would have needed to have been betting somewhere between $50 and $250 a hand pretty regularly at the $250 level to justify a $125 rating. It, he just didn't want to work. And he didn't care about how many points we earned. Um, it, we cared. It helped determine our perks for the next 12 to 18 months. The better part is that we all had good long runs, won money, and got a bunch of points. If you have questions, I'll be happy to answer them. And I'm sure we will discuss tiers and credits in more detail in the future. But for now, get a player's card. Use your player's card. That's how we win in the months where we lose. Our next segment is A Moment of Casino Wisdom. Today we are going to discuss Casino Wisdom number 86. And Casino Wisdom number 86 is really simple. Have allies. And I'm going to be honest with you you're going to need to trust my knowledge and experience on this one and the actions here are a little less precise than I normally like for a casino wisdom but there's some core truth here and and there's some real intangible and tangible benefits that you can get from all this it's kind of part of uh, being on the know okay so I mentioned in the core concept segment that floors help out players that they know and that's an ally but other players are also allies Gabriel, Trucker Mike, Big Dan, The Walking Wikipedia are all players who are allies. Hi everyone, sorry if I left you out. You know the list could be much longer. We scout for each other. We share inside information we learn. I'll pass Big Dan at the entrance on his way out and I'm on my way in, but he'll still stop and say, hey, hey, TRG, table at the back, on the right, been dumping money like crazy all day. I'd still be there, but I, I really got to go pick up my, my kit. Or the walking Wikipedia will hear my name called for a drawing and he'll send me a text so that I don't miss out on the fact that I've got 15 minutes to go collect my money. Dealers can also be allies. I've had so many dealers help me out in so many ways. They slightly shake their head to tell me there's a problem at their table. Maybe really bad players or just people they know I wouldn't want to deal with. I've had dealers tell me, play the side bet, I'm due, I'm due to pay out, it's been that kind of day. And then it pays out twice in the first three hands. I'll tell you the best dealer ally story I have. It's New Year's Eve in Las Vegas. Mrs. TRG and I have decided to stay out of the crowds and not pay to join an expensive party. We've done crowds in a variety of parties in previous years. I'm sure we'll do them again. But for that year, we decided that we'd go to dinner at one of our favorite spots and go to our favorite casino and gamble the last few hours of the year away. And if we lost... We're not going to lose more than the money we would have spent at a party. And the, the big feature of the parties were going to be all you can drink. And if you're gambling in a casino, then you're welcome to drink as much as you would like. Turns out, the dealer at the table used to deal to me at my local casino all the time. 
And when my local casino left the national chain, he went back to Las Vegas to stay with his employer. We did some catching up as we played. The table filled up with good people. Everyone was having fun. The personalities fit well. And Mrs. TRG's gambling's not really... It's not profitable, let's say. Um, look, she wasn't complaining or everything, but everyone wanted her to do well. And so she has a larger bet out there um, for her. And her hand's naturally a double. So she doubles and she makes 17. And the dealer builds a six-card 18. And he comes to Mrs. TRG and it starts to pay her and she reaches out like she's going to correct him. And as her hand comes out, he just shakes his head a little bit and winks. And he says, sorry, Mrs. TRG, you're just going to have to win this one. Look, it wasn't very much, folks, but it was a big swing for her. And honestly, I'm sure that with his senior status, he knew he was in no danger of getting written up. Heck, if anyone even noticed, I'm sure if he said... They're good guests, known them for years, they're tipping the wait staff well, I wanted them to stick around and have fun, he's winning, thought maybe the house could get part of that back, his management would have gone, oh, okay, yeah, uh, we get it, no problem. Um, I don't know that, I've never worked for a casino, this is just observation and experience. But within this context, you know, as part of this casino wisdom, that's an ally. So they come in all shapes and sizes. So I've given you the why, but I haven't given you the how. Wisdom should be in action. So here goes. Be kind to the staff and to other players. Be outgoing. People don't build allies a lot of times, in my opinion, because they think the casino sees them as an enemy. They are secretive. They keep to themselves. The truth is, sure, security and surveillance have to be on their toes. But if you're not literally trying to cheat or steal, they don't care. And if you do what I'm sharing with you, you're not an enemy of the casino at all. Winning doesn't make you an enemy. And especially, floors and dealers are there to help you enjoy the casino unless you act like a complete jerk. Ask about them. Ask about their lives. Tell them about yours. You will build allies. If you start to see the same players over and over, catch a name. A lot of times the dealer here will help you out without even trying. They'll say, here you go, Gabriel. Well, if you see the same guy three, four, five times over a month period, and the dealer keeps saying, oh, here you go, Gabriel, it's a safe bet his name is Gabriel. And maybe it's time to introduce yourself and start a conversation and say, hey, you know, I see you here a lot. We probably have similar schedules. And you're not going to you're not going to match up with everybody and you're not going to be as good of friends with everybody as I am with Gabriel. I'm not as good of friends with everybody as I am with Gabriel. But I know lots of people. I walk through casinos in Las Vegas and I run into people I know from Atlantic City and I run into people that I know from, from my home casino and I know pe run into people I know from casinos that I was out five years ago and you never know when it's going to happen and you never know where it's going to happen. But when it happens... Not only is it a fun coincidence and you're kind of meeting casino friends all over again, a lot of times they know something that'll give you an advantage or give you an experience or give you an opportunity to do something that you didn't know was, was available. So that's Casino Wisdom number 86. The next segment is on rambling. So let's see how 4th of July went.
This week we were off to a Caesars Rewards property. Um, I get to rest on my laurels here, <laughs> pun intended. Um, and even though this is a holiday weekend, uh, the the status I earned last year uh, allowed me a very reasonable rate, um, just under $100 a night. Folks, that's why you get and use a player's card. I haven't been in this property in years. It's been six months since I was at any Caesars property. But my reward status gets me a reservation and a reduced rate on a holiday Friday and Saturday night. As I said, I was at this property many years ago. The hotel was really nice and the casino proper is a satisfactory three-tier stationary riverboat just offshore. Most riverboats today are stationary. A few of them still leave a dock, cruise for several hours, and then return. So here's my opinion on, on riverboats that actually move. Where you, you, you board at 7, they cruise till 10, then you have to leave. Don't be tempted by riverboats that are not stationary. I mean, when they're stationary, they're basically a, a building shaped like a boat in the water. You come and go as you please. That's just like any other casino. See, to gamble to high levels of success, you need to come and go on your schedule. You, you can't do it when the house tells you you have to. You take a three-hour gambling trip and get wrecked at the first two tables. You're bored. You're tempted to over-gamble for the rest of the cruise. On the flip side, you just start winning at 2 hours and 30 minutes. You're just getting started. Things are just starting to go your way. And the house says, sorry, you've got to leave. Anyway, I was in for a big, a big surprise, right? So we drive up, and there's this huge building that wasn't there the last time I was there. Right out by the road. So we get to the front desk, we're checking in, and I ask about it. Turns out that since the last time I was there, they built an entire new land-based casino uh, connected to the hotel, and now they just use the riverboat, you know, like New Year's Eve, Super Bowl, high-capacity stuff. The really sad part for them is that th they'd been open less than three months in the new building, and then the pandemic forced them to close. So we got to enjoy gambling in a big, roomy, beautiful, virtually brand new casino. I mean, I'm telling you folks, this casino was so new that the edges on the chips would, <laughs> jokingly, almost cut you. The chips were so sharp. Most chips that you handle in a casino are, are worn down. And if you've never handled a brand new one, you don't realize that when they come out of the mold, uh, you know, just how, just how sharp they are. So the other thing I need to tell you, and with all sincerity, this was the nicest most kind, most generous, most welcoming, most grateful to have your business casino that I've been in maybe ever. Every single person, from the person in opening the door to the to the people sweeping the floors, the dealers, the floors, the just everything. They all just were absolutely wonderful people. And maybe that's just small town Midwesterners doing what uh, doing what they do best. And then the other thing I have to tell you is that the safety precautions were the best I've seen anywhere. And if you've been listening, you know I've been quite a few places. Temperature check, photograph, ID capture as you walk into the casino. So that if in the future they need to contact Trace, they have all the information that they need. And in case you're thinking, oh, what a big hassle and da-da-da-da, it took maybe two minutes. At, at most. Very efficient. Step on this circle, they take your temperature, your temperature's okay, you drop your ID in a thing, you take your mask off while you walk in a metal detector, and then you go about your business. It, it was quick and easy. They had this amazingly great system where 
if someone leaves the table, you know, player leaves the table, they, they put this reversible disc on the betting circle that says, sanitation, please. And then when somebody comes and cleans it, the chair and the railing and, and the shelf and everything, then they flip that disc over and it's a different color and it says sanitized for your protection. So the floor, the dealer, the players, even if the dealers rotate out, everybody has a visual indication of, of what's going on. The other thing that was, I mean, we're carrying sanitizer with us on our persons at all time, but uh, literally, at virtually every blackjack table we were at, you could stay in your chair, reach a hand back, and a, a dispenser would automatically shoot hand sanitizer on your hand. So they had, uh, you know, hats off to Caesars because they, they really nailed it. The other really cool thing, and it's not at all related to gambling, is, you know, Mrs. TRG, she was asking about fireworks, you know, for 4th of July. And as expected, everyone says, oh, no, there won't be any, there won't be any, there won't be any. So about 10 o'clock, um, we were just taking a little break in our room, trying to decide if we were done or if we were going to go back down for one more run. And uh, all of a sudden, pop, 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 pop. And we look out the window, and all along the Ohio River, there are professional-level fireworks going off as far as we can see in both directions. And not for 5 or 10 or 15 minutes. You know, the better part of an hour, we, we, we stood at the window and saw some amazing fireworks. End of it all, we had a great stay. We got about the I got about a third of the points that I need to get to Tier 3 in the reward system in just a couple days. And, and we left with a little more than two days' pay after paying for the hotel room, don't forget, paying for some meals, buying some drinks. So that's profit after expenses. Keep in mind, expenses were, you know, um, just a little under $100 a night just for the hotel room. And, and obviously, we had multiple meals. And then this trip even included a nice bonus because as we we're, you know, looking at the, the GPS on the route home, we find out that basically halfway with about a 15 minutes detour where there was a my choice casino which I hope you remember uh, you know my, my second casino in my casino cluster is a my choice and and I'm working on points in that because it's it's so prevalent in the Midwest so we took a driving break and uh, stopped in and I collected a new chip for my collection and we picked up some my choice points and here's where I got I owe you guys some transparency and I've tried to be all about that. We came out a little ahead financially here at this at this My Choice property, but we lost at the blackjack table, and that should make no sense to you at all, so I'm going to explain it all. The reason for this is I hit a nice little slot jackpot on, on the way out, more than enough to make up for the blackjack loss that we had and, and to add a little to, uh, to our, our uh, profit for the trip. And, and that doesn't square with our core concepts. And that's why I'm sharing it with you, because I, I want you to know what, what I'm doing and what's going on. Slot play does not fit with the core concepts. You, you can't really progressively and regressively bet. The house advantage is horrible. And traditionally for decades, the closest I would personally come to playing a slot machine was like back in the day when you could actually put coins in a slot machine. Like maybe I'd take the, the change from breakfast and, and, and drop drop that in a slot machine or pieces of it in a slot machine. So other than that, never really been a slot player. So why why was TRG playing a slot machine? Roughly a year ago, 
I stretched out a, uh, a regressive betting system that I thought might work on some modern slot machines. And as I've shared, I am always looking for ways to take advantage of basic casino process, right? What they put out there, I try to find a way to take advantage of. Um, this system has no progressive components, and that really bugs me. Bugged me then, bugs me now. But on paper, it looked like it might work. So then I did my, my normal next step. I found a computer app with that I could play with no money on my phone and, and test what I'd sketched out on paper, and it seemed to hold up. I decided to start live tests in a casino, you in casinos, usually with money I'd won at the blackjack table. And felt like, okay, if over time I'm decreasing my blackjack wins, fine, but I'm, I'm, I'm testing with house money. Before the lockdown, I was getting really, really good results, like results that seemed too good to be true. And I couldn't prove that it wasn't just random luck. Basically, I didn't have enough trials. I didn't have enough data. I didn't trust the results. So post-lockdown, I've continued to test. And my results continue to be positive. In fact, in this case, it turned a one-day small negative into a, a small additional positive. And uh, I'm, I'm obviously happy about that. But I still don't trust it enough to share with anyone. I mean, obviously, Mrs. TRG knows. Gabriel knows because they basically know everything. But uh, I only want to share things that I have proven work for me over the long haul. If it proves out, you, you know you'll be the first to know. You, you know you can believe that. At least I hope you know. I hope we haven't gotten this far in and, and you think I would know something useful and, and not share it with you. But when I report results at the end of the month, we all need to remember, myself included, that really if we're talking about pure table results there's there's a, a one day uh, negative really on the results as always our final segment is a trip to the VIP lounge oh a little bit of the bubbly I'm hoping you all feel like regulars by now if you don't Come on in, make yourself at home. Um, plenty of artisanal sodas if you'd like some. Plenty of more adult beverages if you'd like them. Help yourself, make yourself at home. Find a seat on the couch. Have some sips, tell some stories. We've touched on card counting a couple times, so I thought I'd share a fun story about that today. So you can reverse the house advantage at blackjack and it becomes a player's advantage if you count the high value and low value cards that have been played and then make larger bets when most of the low value cards are gone and, and there are lots of, of high value 10 and aces in the deck. And you may recall that in episode one, I shared a story about a very primitive form of card counting that helped us, uh, Mrs. TRG and I, have our, our first big casino win. Now, casinos don't want the player to have an advantage. And casinos are private clubs. So they can legally stop you from playing blackjack if they believe you are counting cards. In fact, just decided decided right now. Next week, I will share the story about Ben Affleck, yes, that Ben Affleck, getting banned for card counting in a major Las Vegas casino. And I'm going to do that in the VIP lounge next episode. If you want to hear about Ben Affleck getting banned, stop by on the next episode and then stick around for the VIP lounge. These may not always be educational, but I hope they're always interesting. Anyway, on to my story for this episode. 
Back in 99, my company was heavily involved in prepping clients for Y2K. And we were really busy. It was really stressful. I was the point person. And in separate instances, my, the, my right-hand man and Mrs. TRG both came up to me as we were in early fall and said, you've got to take a break. You're not going to make it to the end of the year if, if you don't take a little downtime. And Mrs. TRG suggested I just go to Vegas without her and the kids for a long weekend. And ultimately, I knew they were right. So I took some downtime, went for a weekend, you know, just a, a, a Friday, Saturday, uh, back home on Sunday, just a short one. And uh, Friday night, um, first night at the tables, and things go great. And I decide that to take a piece of the winnings and, and go have some fun. So Saturday afternoon, uh, I, I rent this really sweet blue convertible Corvette and I have it for 24 hours and I have it for 150 miles and the penalties, if I go over the 150 or the penalties, if I marked up the rims were, were significant. So Saturday night, I take it downtown on the strip or downtown Las Vegas and then I take it up and down the strip a couple times and I try to leave enough miles to, to really enjoy it Sunday. Sunday, off I go to Lake Mead, and I enjoy Lake Mead, and I talk my way out of the speeding ticket, and and I head back to Las Vegas. And as I'm getting closer and closer to to the actual strip, I'm running out of miles. I'm not running out of time, but I'm running out of miles, and I'm actually going to drive right by the the place to turn the car in, to park the car on the strip, and to wait like four or five hours and then drive it back. Or I could have turned it in early, but stubbornly that's not what I really wanted to do so I uh, I spy this uh, small little casino on Boulder Highway gravel parking lot um, not as small as the casino in the in the first episode but the bar the sports book and the snack stand were basically all the same big long counter and they had one gambling pit two blackjack tables roulette table craps table the blackjack games were, were double deck with a $10 minimum, and I couldn't find a floor person anywhere. Now, folks, sometimes in Las Vegas, sometimes in other casinos, particularly when they're busy, a floor will have 10 or 12 tables, and it's not instantly obvious in this great big long pit, um, six tables on a side, where the floor is. But these four tables were in a square, maybe, I don't know, 15 yards on a side you would think the floor person would be pretty obvious. And I'd never really uh, seen a situation like that before. There were only two players at, at the one blackjack table, and they clearly, they knew the dealer really well. And the three of them were involved in a conversation about children and an upcoming wedding and people coming home. So I'm thinking, no floor supervision, a distracted dealer, only two decks, this is about the, the, the most perfect card counting situation I've ever seen. So I'm buying with 100 bucks. I'm planning on a $10 unit size, and it's time to get to work. Things are going really well with the dealer paying zero attention as my bets jump from $10 to $60 when, when the count is in a, a heavy player count. This is a classic card counter tell. This is the kind of thing that would trigger heat at that time anywhere on the strip. You'd have somebody in a suit and somebody in a security uniform standing behind you doing the counting, making a decision about you. And I'm getting completely annoyed. 
or completely ignored. I'm not annoyed. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm, I'm getting completely ignored because no one seems to be paying any attention. And I soon found out why there's no floor because the floor person is also the cocktail waitress. So she asks if I want a beer. She records my play in the computer. And, and I say, oh, yeah, absolutely, I want a beer. And when she comes back, and I make sure before she even walks away that she and the dealer notice that I, I down half the beer. Just glug, 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 half a beer gone. And then we get to a shuffle because it's only two decks. So I go to the bathroom, and I return with an empty beer. The toilet enjoyed the beer, folks. As soon as possible, I order another beer, take a sip, and then I'm so clumsy that I spill the beer all over the floor, and it has to be cleaned up, and of course... I'm the guest, so it couldn't have been my fault. They very quickly replaced the beer. Most of that beer goes down the drain in the bathroom as well. So now I've turned my my 100 into 500 very quickly. And I've got returning the Corvette on my mind. The waitress and floor person ask if I want another beer. Of course I do. I'm on vacation. I'm driving a Corvette. And I've made sure everyone knows it. And I'm obviously drinking too much too fast. The waitress floor person says boy, you're on a bit of a roll here. And now I do my best drunken slur. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you how I do it. When I'm going to win, I bet big. And when I'm going to lose, I bet small. That's great. This was very literally the truth, folks. I was telling her exactly what I was doing. But I showed it to her in a way that confirmed her bias. I was just telling her what her eyes were showing you. I was drunk. I was full of myself, driving a rented Corvette with money I'd won the night before. I was a tourist out of town. I was no risk to her casino from what I was showing her. She brought me another beer, and that one went untouched. As time's running out, I'm sure I'm going to run the hundred to a full thousand, and that's my cutoff. That's my exit. I'm out the door. And about this time, another couple joins the table, which slows the game, makes the counting more difficult, and they don't seem to know how to play. And I decide 960 on a $100 buy-in wasn't my goal, but it's good enough. So I return the car and wrap up a very fun and profitable getaway. I hope I've shown that I know a great deal about casinos and I hope I've shown that I have the humility to learn from you if you know something I don't. And so that's what I'm going to encourage you to do. If if you've got an idea, a concept, a technique, um, something you think fits what what I talk about, please send an email to what I do at casinocombat.com. If you have questions, send them to questions at casinocombat.com. That's it, folks. I appreciate you listening. I hope you remember that here we spell combat with a K. Obviously, I hope you enjoyed this, and if you did, please like, subscribe, and share. And if you didn't, hit the dislike and and let me know what you didn't like. And if you just think it's total garbage and I'm an idiot and it's ridiculous and absurd and it makes you mad what I'm saying, tell your friends, encourage them to think I'm an idiot, encourage them to be mad, or turn it into a drinking game and have a party, and every time I say something stupid, take a shot, not a problem with me. I'll still appreciate you listening. I'll still be very, very grateful. I have spoken. Everything you heard here is true from a certain point of view. It's time for me to leave, and I hope you understand. I was born a rambling man.